0: Welcome to the Holy Roman Empire's History Podcast. I will be your host, KSK. In this episode, we will talk about the Habsburg dynasty, the Peace of Westphalia, and the War of the Austrian Succession. The Habsburgs were one of the principal dynasties of Europe, from the 15th to the 20th century. The dynasty of the Habsburgs began when Pope Gregory X, in order to find support for a new crusade, and to secure a counterweight, To the king of Sicily persuaded the German princes to elect the Count Rudolf of Habsburg Emperor in 1273. Uh, But the real ascendancy of the Habsburgs began when Friedrich V, the Habsburg king of Germany from 1440, was crowned Holy Roman Emperor as Friedrich III in 1452. This title remained in the family until 1806. It is duly noted that some families have fought, and that others used other means uh, to gain power. But the Habsburg married their way to power. They began with Austria, and then married the ladies. Names scarcely mattered. Um, they married everything and everyone they could outside their domains, as long as they had a little bit of land, and they could gain from that. Now they married in the following countries. The Netherlands, Burgundy, the Duchy of Milan, Sicily, and finally Spain including all her dominions on the American continent. The high point of the Habsburg power came under Charles V who ruled from 1500 to 1558. Um, He had an empire on which the sun would never set. He unfortunately died And the dynastic division at Charles' death initiated the Spanish Habsburg Line until 1700, and the Austrian Line, which ruled the Habsburg procession in Europe uh, until 1918. I will mainly concentrate on talking about Rudolf I, the main starting point, the real starting point of the Habsburg dynasty. We could go a bit back um, uh, in the first uh, mentions of the Habsburgs or where they may come from, it, it's from the county of Argo in uh, Switzerland, but we're gonna, going to concentrate on Rudolf I because his, his story is, uh, is, is particular. It is with Rudolf that most of the Habsburg genealogical tree starts. He is regarded as the forefather of the dynasty, even though by the time the family already belonged to the established aristocracy of Swabia, Rudolf was thus no newcomer who had arrived out of nowhere. The lineage can be traced back to the late 10th century. Um, as I said, it's not very important, but Guntram the Rich is the first uh, verifiable ancestor. His son Ratbot uh, was the founder of the family abbey of Muri in Argo, whose chronicles are most important sources of the history of the original quote unquote Habsburgs. Ratbot's grandson Otto was the first to call himself von Habsburg after the castle near Brugge. On the lower reaches of the river Aare, uh, The main domains of the family lay along the Rhine and the border are between the present-day Switzerland, France and Germany. The dynasty probably originated in upper Alsace where the Habsburgs were lord protectors of the Sea of uh, Strasbourg. Uh, later family concentrated on developing their dynastic power in the areas, areas um, to the east of, the, of this territory Their eventual possessions uh, extended from the Vosges along the Upper Rhine uh, right into the region around Zürich. Now, the family maintained relations with the imperial Hohenstaufen dynasty, numbering among uh, their supporters. It is however unlikely that there were any relationship of kinship between the two dynasties, so no marriage there. Uh, Rudolf's father, Count Albrecht IV, was captain of the city of Strasbourg in uh, the service of the Hohenstaufens. From his mother, Ilwig of Kyberg, Rudolf had uh, within his gasp the domains of the Counts of Kyberg, a lineage on the verge of extinction, which possessed extensive area of the Turgo region uh, south of uh, Lake Constance. Rudolf's brother um, Hartmann died in prison uh, as a prisoner in Lombardy as a liegeman of the Hohenstaufens, and another brother Albrecht V was a a canon in Basel whose diocesan lands overlapped with the possessions of early Habsburgs. Um, Rudolf focused on expanding the family holdings of territory. Um, Besides the lands he had uh, inherited from his mother, his marriage to Gertrude of Hohenberg brought additional possessions in Alsace uh, and then uh, Rudolf was uh, important, uh, f- a very important feudal lord with a considerable influence in uh, the Alemannic area. With his election as Roman German king and seizure of Austrian lands, Rudolf secured his descendants a-, a place in the first division of the princes of the empire. After the extinction of the Hohenstaufens and in the face of the turmoil of the interregnum, it was the interest of the princes, the seven. Prince, Prince electors um, to create an order and a clear state of affairs in the empire. Their choice fell on a Rudolf of Habsburg. He was elected head of the empire in Frankfurt on the 1st October 1273. His coronation took place in Aix la Chapelle on the 24th of October. His election came as a surprise to him, as he was not among the most powerful princes of the empire. Um, there was uh, the most powerful at this point was King Ottokar II of uh, Premysil uh, of Bohemia. Uh, he was by far the most important of the electors and regarded himself as the natural head of the empire. Um, his uh, unstoppable rise was felt to be progressing at a too rapid pace by the electors. In addition to his ancestral ancestral lands. Of uh, Bohemia and Moravia. Ottokar had also brought the inherited domains of the Bamberger dynasty, which had died out in 1246, and that's the d- duchies of Austria and Styria, that's Austria today basically, uh, under his control. He also commanded uh, Carinthia and Carniola, that's southern of Austria today. Thanks to his uh, participation in the campaigns against the Old Prussians, a pagan ethnic group. Uh, in the Baltic region. He also had influence on the nascent uh, territory of the Teutonic Order in that same region. The all too self-aggrandizing uh, monarchical bearing of the Bohemian king was to be curbed. Um, it is also to note that Ottokar II who uh, he was also responsible for the widespread characterization of Rudolf as uh, the poor count. Now, our Rudolf was very far from being poor, but Ottokar ma- made sure that everybody thought that he was a very, very poor man. Um, it is a clear exaggeration, as Rudolf was extremely wealthy, even if he was a mere count and not a prince of the empire. This image mockingly conceived by Ottokar um, of a count allegedly modest means, was later taken over by the Habsburg historiography in order to make the rise of the dynasty appear in an even more radiant light. Rudolf saw his most important task as the creation of a dynastic power base commensurated with his newly acquired status. He could only extend his possession in his native Schwabia to a very limited degree as he had to avoid alienating the local elites who constituted his political backings in the empire. He was thus forced to look elsewhere for his attempts at expansion. For this, the former Bamberg duchies of Austria and Styria, of which Ottokar had taken possessions, presented themselves. However, this would inevitably lead to conflict with the Bohemian king. Nonetheless, the princes of the empire expected Rudolf to take the necessary measures as proof of his authority against the powerful Ottokar. Initially, um, Ottokar underestimated the Habsburg count. Though at first Rudolf tried to proceed against the Bohemian king by taking uh, steps according to the imperial law, demanding the return of the lands that he had that had been annexed during the interregnum. This was uh, unacceptable to Ottokar. Of course, it's unacceptable. He ignored the summons to be reinforced uh, with these possessions, something that would uh, have been uh, tantamount to subjecting himself to Rudolf's authority. He didn't want to listen to the emperor, basically. Rudolf duly had his rival out loud and released his vassal from their oath of fealty so that any of them that turned or even revolted against the Iron King, quote unquote, as Ottokar was known on account of his autocratic style of rule, would not count as violating their oath of allegiance. Rudolf exploited the dissatisfaction with the Bohemian king's forceful exercise of power among the local nobility and clergy. It was hoped that this would provide a pretext for Ottokar's numerous adversaries within his lands to change sides. That's a very smart move at that point. Basically what Rudolf is saying is... If you are under the control of Autocar and you don't want to listen to him and you want to revolve, well, you have the green light. Go ahead. Not only you will not be punished, but you will be um, hailed as uh, some kind of uh, freedom fight- fighter. Um, by tenacious maneuvering, Rudolf also succeeded in forging an alliance with Autocar's adversaries, uh, the Bavarian Wittelsbachs, uh, the Count uh, Meinhardt of Gorizia, Tyrol, and the King of Hungary, Ladislaus IV, who were among uh, Rudolf's uh, allies and enemies of Ottokar. In 1276, Rudolf started his first military campaign against Ottokar, taking an army into Austria, while in parallel, Move, his allies, occupied Styria, weakened by an uprising among the Bohemian nobility, Ottokar was forced to concede and for the time being relinquish the Bamberger lands. Rudolf prepared to take power in Austria, entering Vienna, which had formerly been seen as loyal to the king of Bohemia, and confirming its privileges as a, a city immediate to the empire that it had been granted decades before by the emperor Frederick II. The Hohenstaufen Emperor had given the city these privileges in order to bring the Viennese populace into his side in his conflict with the Bamberg Frederick the Quarrelsome. Likewise, Rudolf hoped to weaken the Viennese alliance with Ottokar by elevating the status of the city. So now Vienna became a free city of the Empire, but the clouds of war are rolling. Ottokar refused to admit defeat, exploiting the discontent among the established princes of the Empire. Who were not interested in a strong Habsburg power base. Rudolf's alliance started to crumble when several of his supporters left his camp. In Austria too, the local elite such as the powerful Lord of Koenig uh, and also the Viennese patriciate, resisted the efforts of the Schwabian count to bring the land under his control. The final decision was to fall on the battlefield. On the 26th of August 1278, the armies of the Habsburg and his allies confronted the forces of Ottokar on the March Field, uh, the broad plain east of Vienna, between the villages of Dürnkrut and Jedenspeigen. Rudolf's victory was narrow, but made final by the death of Ottokar, um, who was evidently murdered uh, in the tumult of battle by some personal enemy. After the victory, often st- stylized. a patriotic historiography as a national battle of decision, Rudolf installed his son as ruler in Austria and Styria in 1282 and also included the lands of Carinthia and Carniola. However, the latter two territories were immediately pledged to the Count of Gorizia, the Habsburg most important allies in the region and did not revert to the House of Habsburg until the extinction of this comital dynasty in 1335. As an act of reconciliation with the Bohemian Premischil dynasty, marriage between the two families were arranged. Rudolf's daughter Gutta married Ottokar's son Wenceslas II, then just seven years old, and his youngest son Rudolf II was betrothed to Ottokar's daughter Agnes. Now, Ottokar is dead, but the Habsburg dynasty and emperor, uh, Rudolf I, Emperor, saw that it was not good to have enemies in the empire, so he married off. Um, his family with uh, his uh, greatest enemy, Ottokar, and now they were allies. The pragmatic Habsburg was well aware of his limitation as head of the empire. His dynasty was still too new, and so he concentrated on slowly and cautiously consolidating his position, trying to ensure continuity by uh, following Hohenstaufen traditions, which, if we remember in previous episode, were very smart. In one point, however, he diverged from the Hohenstaufen emperors in striving to achieve reconciliation with the Pope. Nonetheless, his plan of processing the Ro- to Rome to gain the imperial title through a papal coronation failed despite the years and years of effort. His attempt to keep the title of Roman-German king in the family and to found a dynasty, were also unfortunately unsuccessful. Rudolf's son, Albert I, did not succeed in gaining this title for himself until seven years after his father's death, in 1298. However, Albert was assassinated in 1308. Uh, The next aspirant to the throne from the House of Habsburgs, Rudolf's grandson, Friedrich the Handsome, was unable to assert himself against his rivals either. And subsequently, the Habsburgs were limited to expanding their new power base in Austria, and distracted by intrafamilial inheritance disputes. Rudolf died in 1291 at the ripe old age of 73. Knowing his end was approaching, uh, he set off for Speyer so that he could uh, die at the traditional burial place of the Salian emperors, where he also wanted to be interred. There are a number of historical anecdotes about Rudolf uh, that demonstrate uh, his pragmatism, and the down-on-earth approach, like most feudal lords of his time, he was illiterate and demanded that even important documents be written in honest, quote-unquote, vernacular German and not in Latin, which he did not understand. In the Austrian lands, uh, Rudolf, and also the first generation of his successor, were perceived as Schwabians and as foreigners, and were accepted uh, really, really slowly. Um, in the 13th, 14th and even 15th and may, maybe even 16th century, there was nothing like uh, being German or French or, um depending on the region that you are from, you will be considered a stranger. So if you're from the South South Germany, you are Schwabian, and if you go to, like Rudolf did in Austria, well, you are now a foreigner, you are not from here. Or if you are, like, Rudolf a Schwabian, and you go in the north, in, in Pomerania, well, you are, again, a, a stranger, you are not from here. And uh, being a German, only... Became a thing in the nineteenth century as being French and the rise of nation nationalism. Well, nonetheless, his gray, uh, his later glorification in patriotic historiography elevated him to the status status of leading figure in the dynasty. His outstanding qualities were said to be the modesty and humility he showed toward uh, his high office, his straightforward nature and strength of will, allied with his strong religious faith. Uh, There were numerous legends that were painted in uh, colorful pictures of Rudolf's deep veneration for the cross and the Eucharist. The historical figure of Rudolf became associated with a whole catalogue of virtues that were then attributed to the family as they were hereditary qualities. uh, As my grandfather uh, would be, let's say, a saint, now I am, uh, by blood, a saint. Let us now jump to the Peace of Westphalia. The... Treaties of Münster and Osnabrück which ended the Thirty Years' War are known collectively as the Peace of Westphalia. The main obstacle to a general peace in Germany after 1635 were the ambitions of France and Sweden and changing military fortunes. Sweden wanted territorial and financial compensations while France, under the Cardinal Richelieu, up to 1642 and mazarin thereafter envisaged something altogether more ambitious that involved a considerable reduction in both spanish and austrian habsburg power in addition matters were complicated by the individual ambitions of various german princes and separate negotiations between the spanish and the dutch ultimately 176 plenipotentiaries representing 196 rulers attended the peace negotiations Despite these problems, talks began in 1643 at Munster and Osnabrück, the two cities specified for negotiations by the Franco-Swedish treaty of 1641. France, Spain and the other Catholics' participants were based at Munster, Sweden and her allies at Osnabrück. Although Emperor Ferdinand III initially delayed negotiations, the collapse of his military position in 1645 forced him to undertake serious discussions in 1646. However. That settlement was not reached until the autumn of 1648 and was largely due to Mazarin rather than the Emperor. In fact, the war only really came to an end at the time because of France's inability to carry it on. Uh, War came to an end because people were not able to wage war anymore. That's the irony of the peace of Westphalia. Now let's talk about the negotiations. With so many participants and so many conflicting interests, it is hard to discern any pattern of negotiation but the aims of the major participant can be identified. The emperor clearly wanted a full and final peace settlement. Because his situation was desperate, he was prepared to make far-reaching religious and territorial concessions if necessary. Mazarin, on the other side, uh, was his wish for a universal peace was off by the collapse of negotiations with Spain in 1646. The Spanish preferred to work out a deal um, with the Dutch by themselves one-on-one, which was achieved in, for- in 1647, uh, and keep fighting in the Holy Roman Empire. As far as Germans were concerned, uh, France wanted to destroy the Emperor's influence by strengthening the autonomy of the individual princes and by replacing um, the existing imperial institution with a French-led federation. However, these plans were very unpopular, with the German princes who valued still the Holy Roman Empire and preferred an emperor limited in authority to dominance by France and Sweden. Um, The Count Maximilian von Trautsmannsdorf, the imperial envoy, had little difficulty in resisting these French demands. French demands for most of Alsace and parts of Lorraine on the other hand were quite modest because France mainly wanted Spanish territories. Mazarin was also uh, able to obtain Habsburg domain in Alsace in return for 1.2 million thalers in a deal with the Emperor in September 1646. The Swedes were prepared to compromise because Queen Christina was eager for a quick settlement. In any event, her eastworld allies, the French did not want to see Sweden become too powerful. According to Mazarin, accordingly Mazarin decided to build up Brandenburg as a counterweight to Swedish power. And in February 1647, the Swedish envoys were persuaded to agree to a partition of Pomerania with the elector, Troutmansdorf was able to exploit the tension between the allies in other ways too. For instance, Sweden demanded religious toleration uh, within the Habsburg lands, for the uh, Bohemians in particular. Knowing that the French had little sympathy for Bohemian Protestants and would not support Sweden on this issue, the emperor resisted his demand quite firmly. As far as religion was concerned, matters of territory and allegiance had been addressed in the Peace of Prague and at the Diet of Regensburg. But the status of Calvinism and secularized lands still had to be resolved. Although the delegates were divided according to confession lines even with the same domination, there were no agreements, however, because the protestants proved to be more united overall The final agreement on religious issues reached in March 1648 was more favorable to them. Um, The final agreement was postponed because Mazarin unnerved by Spain's deal with the Dutch which he had tried to sabotage on uh, many occasions decided to increase French's demands. Uh, This rekindled the war though with the onset of civil unrest in France in the summer of 1648. Guess what happened? The fronde that's right the fronde happened while they were uh, doing the peace of westphalia mazarin reluctantly changed his tune and by august was convinced of quote our need to make peace at the earliest opportunity unquote consequently he dropped his extra demands and agreed to a settlement although the emperor did agree not to aid his spanish cousin now there were a lot of um, clauses in the peace of westphalia but i'm going to enumerate 13 of them first the principle of Curius regio eius religio quote whoever rules the treaty determines the religion unquote the territory sorry was reaffirmed but uh, construed to relate only to public life two Calvinism was finally recognized within the confession of Augsburg and, except within the Bavarian and Austrian lands, including Bohemia, Protestant retention of all lands seculariz- seculariz- secularized before 1624 was guaranteed. Three. In matters of religion, there were to be no majority decision made by the Diet. Instead, disputes were to be settled only by compromise. Four. To all intents and purpose, the separate state of the Holy Roman Empire were recognized as sovereign members of the Diet, free to control their own affairs independently of each other and the Emperor. 5. Maximilian of Bavaria retained his electoral title in the Upper Palatinate. 6. A new electoral title was created for Karl Ludwig, the son of the former Elector of Palatine, on his restoration of the Lower Palatine. 7. John George of Saxony, a leading German Protestant prince who had supported Ferdinand, was comforted in his acquisition of Lusatia, a uh, that's a region of Eastern German and Southwest Poland. Um, Friedrich, 8. Friedrich William of Brandenburg acquired Kamen, Minden, and Halberstadt, along with the succession to Magdeburg. 9. The emperors claim to hereditary rights in Bohemia, Moravia, and Silesia was established. The ha- Habsburg-Songdao was surrendered to France. That's in Switzerland. 10. The peace of Westphalia conferred Swedish control of the river mouths of the Oder, the Elbe, and Wesser, virtually the entire German coastline, by the occupation of Western Pomerania, Stetten, Strassund, Wismar, the Diocese of Bremen, and Verden, and the islands of uh, Rögen, Usedom, and Volin. Sweden was also paid an indemnity of $5 million. 11. France acquired Habsburg territory and other jurisdictions in Alsace. Other acquisitions included Pinello in Savoie and Breissach and Philipsburg on the right bank of the Rhine. 12. The United Provinces of the Netherlands, the Dutch Republic, were declared independent of both Spain and the Holy Roman Empire. Switzerland was also acknowledged as an independent of the Empire. Finally, 13. No princes of the Empire, not even the Emperor, could ally with Spanish monarchy anymore. An overall assessment is not easy to make. Um, By and large, the treaties diffuse those problems largely responsible for the war. Although confessional loyalties remained important, the age of religious war was over in Germany. The religious settlement proved to be realistic and lasting. Though the Pope Innocent X was unambiguous in his condemnation, whether or not this was the last religious war as so claimed and whether or not religion ceased to be so important in political and international affairs after this war are a very moot point. As far as political settlement is concerned, the peace was remarkably conservative and legalistic. It was intended more as a, a restatement of old rights than as anything new. Much that had been matter or fact or common practice such as the autonomy of the princes was now de jure, um, legal. Of course that is not to say that there were no innovation. the creation of 8 electorate was new, um, the first extension of a number of imperial electors since 1356 but it established a custom and legal rights were usually preferred. Now, within the empire, Saxony, Bavaria, and Brandenburg had all grown in size and importance. The tendency was toward fully sovereign independent states. However, these larger states were still not a match for the emperor, who among other things retained the prestige of precedence. Ferdinand III undoubtedly lost power. For instance, he lost the right to levy taxes outside his homelands and to declare war without the consent of the Diet, but remained uh, the foremost prince in Germany. Moreover, many of the smaller states were too small to exploit rights and liberties they had uh, been granted. They preferred the security of the Holy Roman Empire. They relied on the Emperor and were happy to seek his protection, particularly now that he could not be a predator. For these reasons the Franco-Swedish attempts to destroy the imperial institution had been resisted. After 1648 the imperial bureaucracy became more cumbersome and made the Habsburg control less practical. However recent research is beginning to question the idea that Westphalia fixed the empire constitution in its final form. It is now thought to have been a more adaptation, adaptable to change and in fact imperial policy continued to be decided Uh, by the emperor the emperor himself was now very much strengthened within his hereditary territories both religious and political opposition in bohemia and in austria had been completely crushed and the hereditary lands were now ruled as a single unit accordingly to the emperor was in far better position than he had held in 1618 of course compared with the dizzy heights of 1629 there have been reverses Ferdinand III had undoubtedly lost the last power part of the war but he managed to retain some of his father's early success given the dire military situation at uh, at the end the final settlement was not completely unfavorable to him he had in fact gotten off quite lightly the failure of many Habsburg objectives during the war together with the uh, allegedly improvised positions of the princes following the Westphalian settlements used to be taken as evidence for the general decline in imperial power and as an explanation for the emperor's apparent growing concentration on purely dynastic interests. However, again, scholars are beginning to call this reasoning into question. Although this debate uh, has just started, the Holy Roman Empire was far from moribund after 1648. It only survived but uh, revived during the long reign of Leopold I who ruled from 1658 to 1705. Now the peace of Westphalia is uh, re-emerging today in academia and everything we thought we knew and how much it changed the world forever, well not so much uh, it seems. Um, Those practices were as I've stated already in place, so it is important to always seek knowledge about those facts that we think are set in stone. An overall assessment is not easy to make. Um, By and large, the treaties diffuse those problems largely responsible for the war. Although confessional loyalties remained important, the age of religious war was over in Germany. The religious settlement proved to be realistic and lasting. Though the Pope Innocent the 10th, was unambiguous in his condemnation whether or not this was the last religious war as so claimed and whether or not religion ceased to be so important in political and international affairs after this war are a very moot point. As far as political settlement is concerned, the peace was remarkably conservative and legalistic. It was intended more as a, a restatement of old rights than as anything new. Much that had been matter or fact or common practice, such as the autonomy of the princes, was now de jure, um, legal. Of course, that is not to say that there were no innovation. The creation of eight electorates was new, um, the first extension of a number of imperial electors since 1356. But it established a custom and legal rights were usually preferred. Now, within the empire, Saxony, Bavaria, and Brandenburg had all grown in size and importance. The tendency was toward fully sovereign independent states. However, these larger states were still not a match for the emperor, who among other things retained the prestige of precedence. Ferdinand III undoubtedly lost power. For instance, he lost the right to levy taxes outside his homelands and to declare war without the consent of the Diet, but remained uh, the foremost prince in Germany, Moreover, many of the smaller states were too small to exploit rights and liberties they had uh, been granted. They preferred the security of the Holy Roman Empire. They relied on the emperor and were happy to seek his protection, particularly now that he could not be a predator. For these reasons, the Franco-Swedish attempts to destroy the imperial institution had been resisted. After 1648, the imperial bureaucracy became more cumbersome and made the Habsburg control less practical. However, recent research is beginning to question the idea that Westphalia fixed the empire constitution in its final form. It is now thought to have been uh, more adaptation, adaptable to change and in fact imperial policy continued to be decided uh, by the emperor. The emperor himself was now very much strengthened within his hereditary territories. Both religious and political opposition in Bohemia and in Austria had been completely crushed and the hereditary lands were now ruled as a single unit. Accordingly to the emperor, was in far better position than he had held in 1618. Of course, compared with the dizzy heights of 1629, there have been reverses. Ferdinand III had undoubtedly lost the last power part of the war but he managed to retain some of his father's early success given the dire military situation at uh, at the end the final settlement was not completely unfavorable to him he had in fact gotten off quite lightly the failure of many habsburg objectives during the war together with the um, allegedly improvised positions of the princes following the westphalian settlements used to be taken as evidence for the general decline in imperial power and as an explanation for the emperor's apparent growing concentration on purely dynastic interest, However, again, scholars are beginning to call this reasoning into question. Although this debate uh, has just started, the Holy Roman Empire was far from moribund after 1648. It only survived, but uh, revived during the long reign of Leopold I, who ruled from 1658 to 1705. Now, the peace of Westphalia is uh, re-emerging uh, today in academia and everything we thought we knew and how much it changed the world forever well not so much uh, it seems um, those practices were as i've stated already in place so it is important to always seek knowledge about those facts that we think are set in stone the war of the austrian succession the habsburg monarchy was on the brink of disaster maria theresa's claim to her inheritance had not been recognized by some of the European powers. In 1740, the Prussian king Friedrich the Great invaded Silesia, firing the starting shot in the war of the Austrian succession. Until peace was concluded at Aix-la-Chapelle in 1748, the country was in the state of war. Soon after her father's death, Maria Theresa found herself confronted with the claims of German princely dynasties who saw themselves as having equal rights as heirs to the Habsburg dynasty, through marriage to the daughter of Emperor Joseph I—that is, Maria Theresa's cousins—as the husband of Maria Josepha, elder daughter of Joseph I, Elector Friedrich I, Friedrich August of Saxony represented the claims of his wife. Elector Karl Albrecht of Bavaria made demands in the name of his wife Maria Amalie. Joseph's young daughter, as an anti-Habsburg alliance formed between Bavaria, Saxony, and France with the aim of partitioning the monarchy. The start of hostilities was marked by the invasion of Silesia by the Prussian troops in December 1740. Having only recently come to power, the young King Friedrich II of Prussia took advantage of this situation and occupied the province in the northeast of the monarchy without declaring war. Other powers followed suit and invaded Habsburg territories. The War of the Austrian Succession had broken out in July 1741. Allied French and Bavarian troops occupied the Upper Austria and Bohemia. The Elector of Bavaria then received the homage of the Bohemian estates as King of Bohemia. No actual coronation took place as an insignia had already been taken to safety in Vienna. In the search for allies, Maria Theresa managed to bring Britain, Russia, And the Netherlands onto her side. In retrospect the struggle with Prussia for Silesia was the decisive conflict but constituted only a part of the war of the the succession which took place in many different theaters of war. At first hostilities broke out in Austrian territories against the Bavarian invaders Soon the action moved to Bavaria and from there to the Rhine where Habsburg troops fought side by side with their allies against France. Maria Theresa's position was strengthened by her coronation in Hungary in June 1741. This was an important event that had a great symbolic effect. Maria Theresa was now a rightfully crowned monarch and was able to secure loyalty of the Hungarian estates. Nonetheless, the Holy Roman Empire, the Austrians have suffered a large setback. Maria Theresa's husband, Franz Stefan was unsexf- unsuccessful in his uh, bid to become a candidate for the election as emperor. In 1741, the electors chose the Wittelsbach prince, Charles VII, as head of the empire. The House of Austria thus lost the title that it had retained uh, uninterruptedly from the middle of the 15th century, and which had constituted the foundation of special standings of the Habsburgs in the empire. In the meantime, however, the tide had turned. While Charles VII was being crowned in Frankfurt, Austrian troops occupied Bavaria, and Bavarian power in Bohemia began to totter. In July 1742, peace was concluded with Prussia, thus ending the First Silesian War. For Maria Theresa, this meant ceding most of Silesia together with the county of Glatz. Only parts of southeastern Silesia uh, remained under Austrian rule. In May 1743, Maria Theresa was crowned Queen of Bohemia in Prague, an event that symbolized the successful recovery of power in Bohemia. However, the peace was short-lived. In August 1744, the Prussians again invaded Bohemia, triggering the Second Silesian War. This uh, was in reaction to Maria Theresa's success in pressing her claims against Bavaria and Saxony. The attack on Bohemia was uh, intended to involve Austria in a war on two fronts and thus force her to conclude peace from a weaker position. But in the meantime, the Emperor Charles VII had died in exile in 1745 after the Austrian troops had occupied Bavaria. His successor sued for peace and was restored as a ruler of Bavaria. In return, Bavaria has pledged to support the election of Franz Stefan as the Holy Roman Emperor which was sealed with his coronation at Frankfurt in September 1745. Now in December 1745 the Peace of Dresden was signed, thus ending the Second Silesian War. Prussia's possession of Silesia was confirmed and in return it recognized Franz Stephan as the Holy Roman Emperor. The Peace of Axe-la-Chapelle concluded in October 1748 brought an international recognition of Maria Theresa as ruler over the monarchy and ended the conflict over the Austrian succession. Um, The result, from the point of view of the Habsburg-Lorraine dynasty, was that Maria Theresa had successfully defended the majority of her claims, with the exception of Silesia. Prussia's new status as a rival power in central Europe had to be acknowledged, the Holy Roman Empire has diminished in importance, although Maria Theresa's husband had been recognized as emperor, the empire no longer played a great part in defining the identity of the dynasty as it had in preceding generations. We're going to finish this episode here. It's not going to be our last episode, but the next episode will be concentrated on uh, the Napoleonic Wars in the Holy Roman Empire, the death of the Holy Roman Empire, and uh, the Battle of Austerlitz. So thank you for listening. I have been your host, KSK.